Hello, Internet. Mike and Andy here. Um, uh, as Andy so, you know, made sure everyone knew he's back. And, um, and, I, and I want you to know there, there are a couple of sure signs that the Vox podcast is very, very successful. Yes. Um, number one, that the, the podcast episode I did by myself is probably our most popular episode. And, um, and number two, we are, we are beginning to have conversations with, um, with guests that we've just been dying to have conversations with. So Micah, mm-hmm. um, Carrie and Bonnie and, and, uh, and, um, the Avis is, and I mean, we're just, we're, we're loving having conversations and, and we're trying to do, there, there are podcasts that are like pure preaching shows. There are podcasts that are, that are, let me just do Q and A. There are podcasts that are just interview shows. We, we want to be a little bit of all those things. And so uh, we've been cooking on, up a series called Embarrassed by the Bible. And we did our first one. Um, I'm, I'm working on Noah and the Ark, which, oh my Lord, is going to take me hours to put together. It's just ridiculous. I'm, I'm in the middle of all these Mesopotamian flood stories. I don't see what the issue is. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty straightforward. Oh my Lord. But then, then you get into the Nephilim, and I mean, it's just nuts. So I don't even know when that one's going to air, because it's, I'm, ugh. I mean, literally, if you look... Right there, Andy Bear. How many books is that? Like eight or nine books. Yeah. Um, that are all just like. Oh. Strangely, it's two of every book, from what I could see from here. Oh, that's so awesome! <laughs> You've been Andy. so saturated that you, you somehow Bear. started to uh, replicate. Uh, Andy. Yeah. Let's not mention the massive pile of wood you have in your backyard that's now. Right. Either. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so so anyway, um, uh, as part of this series, though, we we've lined up three guests. That um, that we're excited about, but they all they all have a little bit of controversy to them because they actually take pretty bold stands on things. Yeah. Um, and uh, so so first of all, I want to before I tell you who they are, I want to tell you um, my philosophy of interviewing people because I, I don't want to just be a fanboy, uh, although for some of these I, I certainly am. Uh, and I also don't want to be an antagonist uh, um, if I disagree. What I what I want to do, my goal, um, and our goal when we interview people is to get them to say their best stuff. Um, and so we want to encourage it. We want to, even if we're disagreeing with it, we want them to say it in the best possible way. We the 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 space we want to inhabit is we want the best of all possible sides. So we want people. Uh, we've we've invited some people to talk about the violence of the Old Testament and the Old Testament portraits of God, and um, and so my goal isn't to get into a debate about where they're right and where they're wrong. Uh, my goal is to hear them say what they say. So you'll hear us uh, agree a lot with what they're saying, and that doesn't mean we agree with everything. Right. So like everything, we test and we hold and we sift and we sort like you should be doing with us. I mean, that's just how we do it. But we're not afraid of, of names that might provoke questions or scandals. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I even hate having to give this sort of disclaimer about, listen, we interview people to get their best. We don't interview them to show them that they're wrong or to point out areas of disagreement. We interview them because they've got something to say. And we think it fits into the talk about anything kind of vibe we were wanting to create on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, you know, down the road we'll respond or we'll whatever. But when we're talking to them, we're just having fun and we're, we're, we're wanting to hear their best stuff. So today uh, we're going to have a, an, a, an incredible conversation with Rob Bell. 
Um, Rob, I, I got I got asked a Facebook question several weeks ago about Rob Bell. Was I part of the tribe that exiled him? Was I part of the tribe that just thinks, um, you know, everything he says is awesome? And, and the answer is no. Uh, I'm neither. Uh, I'm I, I know him. Um, we have a distant uh, acquaintanceship. Um, um, I, I was able to get a hold of him after that question and said, man, I think you'd be great to be on this. He just has a new book out called, um, what is the Bible and, uh, read it twice. And my goodness, there's some great nuggets in there. Um, but, but like I said, you know, when I answered that original question, would he and I disagree over something? Of course. Oh my yeah. goodness. That would be, tr that's true of everybody we're ever going to interview. Right. So, so don't get hung up on, you know, well, did we grill him? No, I, the goal isn't grilling. the The goal is is broiling. No, no, the goal is the, the goal <laughs> slow is simmer. to have a fun, um, interesting conversation, hearing their best perspective on this stuff. So, because our goal is is to make up our own minds, to wrestle and 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 to do all those things. So, we, we have a phenomenal. I mean, I just think this is, um, as much as I try to just be a dork, he. Um, he wouldn't have it. He kept, he kept plowing, man. It was great. Um, you're going to hear, uh, birds, dogs, references to his wife. Um, um, he, he, all sorts of outdoor, uh, you know, he does not podcast at the Braille world headquarters. So clearly it's an inferior space. Absolutely. So, um, there's chirping going on and that's just me, yeah. uh, let alone the birds. So anyway, um, the book is, is fascinating. Um, I would I would encourage you to check it out and and read it just at least to see what he's saying because there's there's some stuff here that I think is really worth listening to. So it's 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 called What Is the Bible? Um, and if you're familiar with his work, some of it's familiar, but some of it's some of it's new. Um, it's it's written really accessibly, and uh, it's I think it's his longest his longest book. But you can pick that up. Obviously, he's on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, but the, the thing we're just interested in and, and we're fascinated by is, uh, the, the chance to kind of get his take on some things. So anyway, we hope you enjoy this interview. Um, and, uh, we're eager to hear your thoughts. So take it away. All right, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is with great delight that we sit across a computer line, looking at the Reverend <laughs> Rob Bell Jr. Sitting, uh, in his, uh, in his Laguna, a beach house uh, with with. I don't live there. Yeah, okay. But anyway, <laughs> you what? You, I don't live there, but you can imagine that, I guess. Okay, <laughs> I'm I'm imagining it qu quite nicely, and um, we're known we are known for some uh, hard hitting interviews. Uh, so I've got just a couple of things before we talk about the book. Um, uh, a couple of things first. <sighs> We, I, I need to, I, I just, well, I don't know how to frame this. I mean, you weren't our first choice for a book on the Bible. We were going after Stephen Furtick and he was not available. And so we were very sad about that. Um, we were just going down like the top podcast list. And so Olstein, we didn't figure he was any good on the Bible. Um, Furtick at least pretend. So anyway, he was not available. So we're, we're glad we got you. Um, Rob Bell's looking away, uh, wondering what's going to happen. Uh, just a couple, a couple other questions that are, are very significant. You have shaved your head, uh, and you've also had um, pretty cool long hair. Uh, which do you think better represents the anointing of God? That's your second question? That's my second question. Uh, and I have a vested interest in your answer. Oh, oh, I just That took me a while to kick in. Okay, Clearly. 
clearly the completely bald man yes. has an inside track. Isn't that that's, a, that's an Old Testament thing, right? That's every every major tradition. <laughs> I would narrow your I would narrow your search for validity to just one tradition. <laughs> Um, when you think of North Orange County, uh, did you even know there was such a thing? Because we're <laughs> which is south of where I am, so there you go. Where are you? Uh, I live in LA. I thought you were in Laguna. Uh, a little, uh, a couple years ago. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're so current. <laughs> um, we met in Laguna. Now you're in LA. Dang. Okay. Um, well, then that, the rest of my questions now. <laughs> Are no good. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rob Bell, a uh, couple of thoughts before we dive into the book. Uh, as you know, as you host a um, incredibly successful podcast, um, the, the the whole deconstruction of faith is this yes. sort of current big topic. Um, why do you think that has gotten so much traction? Why do you think that's become a kind of a, a thing the mm. last couple of years, particularly in the podcast space? Um, because people are coming to discover that they're not alone and that they're actually part of an ancient tradition, a spiritual tradition that was endlessly taking things apart and putting it back together. So this is not a new idea and not a new practice. A lot of people are waking up to the fact that people have been taking things. There's an old Zen saying, at first the river was a river and the mountain was a mountain. And then the river was no longer a river and the mountain was no longer a mountain. And then later... The river was a river again, and the mountain was a mountain again. So just for thousands of years, people have understood that health and development and growth and maturity and enlightenment and heightened consciousness always involved some level of poking and prodding and taking apart in order to build something new. And then secondly, you have right now a convergence of factors, namely globalization, capitalism, democracy, technology, have all combined to create this perfect storm of change. And in any moment of disruption, there will be one of two, there will be two responses. Hmm. Whenever you have a major disruption, some people will dig their heels in and regress. They will just hold their flag or their doctrine or their whatever, they'll just hold it tighter. And other people will allow the pain of the disruption to break them open right. and to make them more limber and create more spinal fortitude. And it will actually move them into greater uh, maturity and understanding. And I think it's, that's what you're seeing right now is a large number of people are going, hey, wait, what's happening? This new world we're in, right. hmm. what's it going to go? What's, what are, look at these challenges. Let's, let's figure this out. And some people are saying no. Uh, they're literally, you have politicians saying, does anybody feel like they don't recognize their country? Right. <laughs> I mean, literally saying, can we just make it go back to how it was? Not just no politicians, church leaders yeah. in, in collusion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do, so so um, I've heard you say on many occasions, it's not just enough to deconstruct, but to, to reconstruct is also the goal. What's reconstruction look like? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the podcast thing. I've been on this Bookstore tour I just finished, I was doing this. Does anybody know anybody who started a podcast to start having some dangerous conversations? Like, <laughs> you happen to have a number of people yeah. who came out of systems that didn't have space to name and articulate truth. 
Hmm. And a lot of those systems in the name of truth had a shadow side, which is usually unspoken, sometimes spoken. These things you can talk about, these things you can't. Right, right. And any system in which there is, we can give voice to this, but not to this, will develop a shadow side. And whatever is repressed or denied or stuffed, it will come out in all sorts of unhealthy ways. Which brings us, of course, to the Bible. <laughs> Right, because that's that's exhibit A of what's been stuffed in terms of questions and probing yeah. and doubting. Which um, is interesting because the Bible, the Bible is a book that is as much about the absence of God as the presence. Mm -hmm. One of the one of the central yep. themes of the Bible is giving language and expression to whatever is present in your interiors. So doubt, betrayal. Anger, rage, suspicion, skepticism. Right. I mean, you have the book of Lamentations, God is essentially on trial. Uh, the book of Job is essentially spoofing the idea that there are explanations for suffering. Um, Mark is making lots of commentary on the military propaganda of that day. So what's so fascinating is how many people in the name of the Bible were taught that some things we can't talk about when the Bible is a book in which some of its central theme, one of its central <laughs> themes is if you don't, if you can't talk about all of human, the full spectrum of human experience, you are, go you are going to have all sorts of dysfunction and pain. Yeah. So when you say uh, the Bible is not a Christian book, which is just a, you know, interesting uh, way of putting that, uh, is that what you're getting at? Well, just the idea that so one group would claim or somehow imply this is their book is just a ridiculous idea. Um, but the, the power of this ancient library is how it speaks to the human condition and how it speaks to doubt and rage and how it, how it, it sits in the ashes with everyone who's ever had their city destroyed. Hmm. Hmm. And these are not... These are not any, there's no one religion that somehow is interested in what it means to be human. This has been the fundamental quest of human beings. And every expression of religion has been rooted in, what does it mean to be human? Right. How, how do we sort this out? So if you're sitting across from somebody who, and I would imagine in LA, um, you have plenty of these conversations. You're sitting across from somebody who's never cracked it open, who doesn't know anything yeah. except the cultural you know, sort of appropriations uh, in politics oh, yeah. or culture. Uh, and they say, okay, why this book? Um, what do you say? Yeah. Like why this book as opposed to any other, any other sacred book? Well, I would start with the, the power, the power of a sacred text. Any sacred text is people have gathered around these texts for thousands of years and you are bombarded every day with a thousand blips and squeaks telling you that your Instagram followers and your YouTube views right. and Amazon can get you a product with a drone in under an hour. <laughs> you are bombarded with CNN and headlines and BuzzFeed, and it's all like an inch deep, and it's coming at you 100 miles an hour. The news cycle used to be two weeks. Right. Then it was 24 hours. Now... It's like your friend tells you something like you didn't hear and you're like, no, because that was posted 17 minutes ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I would just begin with 
what the modern world has done is causing people to slide down the surface of things and the power of a sacred text. It's like a bass note. And our treble, our culture is more and more all treble. Right. Because mm. we're all note. about that bass, baby. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and the power of gathering around words that have enlivened and comforted and confronted and healed people for thousands of years is right. it grounds you in something other than the latest weird update about what Kanye was wearing. <laughs> hey, that's important <laughs> So I would just me. start there. I would start there at the most basic level. And, and to take that one step further, um, if, if they said, okay, so where do I start and, and how do I start? Because you've, you've got these great nuggets, uh, but what would you just say baseline uh, to somebody who's, who's asking that simple a question? Where do I start? How do I start? How do I read it? Well, what's interesting is a lot of people would say, just pick the Bible up and read it cold. Right. And I, have, I, know, I know people who picked it up and just started <laughs> reading. Um, I just, uh, I'm trying to think what city was it in a couple of days ago. A guy handed me a note and it was, I grew up in Iran. I came hmm. across a Bible. I started reading it cold and it went right to my heart. Yes. Wow. Um, so that happens all the time. And... So I wouldn't deny that. I would also say you reading somebody else guiding you through the Bible, which is essentially reading it in community. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and like community my, can be live or that community can yeah, be right. it's scholars. Right right. right, right. And some people, when they, when you read the Bible over their shoulder, it's like pure joy. You just see a whole world of things that you wouldn't see if you just opened it up. So... I would make sure that there isn't one right approach. Uh, right. Like in the back of my new book, I just listed all sorts of books that are in yeah. the very accessible books that you can jump into. And within a chapter, you're like, wait, what? Right. This is this just really, this is fascinating. And away you go. I love, so, so things like not reading it in a flat line. Oh, yeah. Like that's a, that, that's. You know, there would be a couple of things if I if I were if I were sitting across from somebody and they said, "Okay, so how should I read this?" And you're absolutely right; people can pick it up and, and benefit regardless. But what do you mean by that? Because there's something I think really profound that you unpack uh, after that line, not reading it in the flat line. Oh. oh, yeah. So if somebody said, "Well, what's it about?" I would say it's about it's about a tribe and this deep sense, you might say, calling, intuition, pull that this tribe has to be a new kind of tribe for the world. Right. Um, so if you start there, then the book follows the unfolding story of this tribe. So there are, like any good story, there are earlier bits hmm. and later bits. Even the name God, there's lots and lots of different names for the name God. God right. is essentially a word that human beings use to try and describe ultimate reality. So these people are trying to name and understand and interpret ultimate reality, and they're using the first mention of God in the first verse of the Bible is a plural word. Right. So they're all over the place. Right. Um, sometimes they're taking their neighbor's idea for God and essentially saying that. <laughs> sometimes they're using an image, like a mother, the prophet Isaiah. Could a mother forget the child she bore? Right. So these people are trying to name is the universe headed somewhere? Are we all alone? Is there any point and meaning to our trials, struggles, and suffering? Um, how do we forgive our worst enemies? So if you read it as an unfolding story, 
suddenly you realize these people were struggling and wrestling with a lot of the things that we're talking about today. Right. Like these, a group of prophets arose in their history at one point, and what they never stopped bringing up is, if you have a widening gap between the rich and the poor, it's <laughs> your whole culture is going to hang in the balance. Mm-hmm. So when you mm-hmm. hear Bernie Sanders, whatever you think politically about Bernie Sanders, there's a direct line from Bernie Sanders to those Hebrew prophets. Right. Which is mm-hmm. because in the in the presidential election, all those pundits were like, why do you, why do you think Bernie appeals to you? <laughs> and then you'd have, well, this research, I would say, because when somebody says something that people have been saying for thousands of years, it's a base note. Right. It, it, it sounds different. That candidate is wearing that sweater because poll groups said that sweater is more popular. This guy is channeling something thousands of years old. There's a reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I would keep bringing it back. And so your flat line, when somebody just grabs a verse completely out of the story, you could make it say anything you want. Right. You could just. Of course. And what's also interesting is a lot of people affirm evolution biologically and then read the Bible like first grade fundamentalists. Right. <laughs> as opposed to an evolving, unfolding narrative. Right. Is that what it means when you say start start with the human element yeah. of that? What's yeah, that? exactly. So, for example, like the violence passages, which so many people are like, why would you read a book right. with violence in it? Right, because no one watches Game of Thrones. But anyway, <laughs> uh, people are like, how? I wouldn't... Why would I ever, you know what I mean? People will actually say that. Like, why would I ever pay attention to anything with violence in it? Right. Because uh, you do that in the rest of your life right. all the time when you call it entertainment. So let's take there. But when in the ancient Near East, people would go conquer another tribe and they would do it in the name of their God and they would tell about how they conquered that tribe in the name of their God. Right. So you read the Bible from that time period and the stories sound a lot like stories people told at that time. Yeah. 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 It's a human book. Of course, they would sound like humans at that time. They were humans at that time. How like, much? That, well, that raises such a good question. How much help did these humans have in uh, in, in putting it together? <laughs> well, what's interesting is whenever people talk about something like inspiration or right. did God help them write it, right? That you are now firmly in other territory. No one who's ever asked that question had more clear language than that right you're in you're in such phenomenally subjective territory um because because how about how about mozart or beethoven right um, how much help did they have right i don't, I don't yeah. know first off it's a great question i just don't know how you would answer that 7.2 the color yellow i'm trying to get at i'm trying to get at what i can anticipate will be a you know criticism uh is the uh okay so it's a human book but uh, and you see it coming i mean i could see see it on your face (laughs) right i mean of course so so yes of course it's a human book but i always found you know there's another tribe that emphasizes the it's the divine book before it's the human book yeah. And and so I'm trying to I'm trying to 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 because you you explain what you mean by a human book, 
Um, and you explain how it relates to the divine. And yeah. so I was just fishing for, yeah, so how much? Well, you know, um, one way that people have named it is there is inspiration at creation and inspiration via recognition. Mm-hmm. And Illumination. I'm part, I'm, I'm part of a, a group of people who for a long time have acknowledged there is something about this library of books that's different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the word we use for it is it's breathed. Right. It's it's God breathed and some some very compelling way, but it is not intellectual assent. It is when you enter into this story and you enter into the humanity of it, you find yourself in touch with a spectral presence that undergirds the whole thing. Um and that's what I mean by when people just say, Well it's God's word. Right. Didn't get there honestly. You just brought that assumption, you made that assumption, and now you read it through that lens. If you begin with the truth that it's a human book and you enter into the humanity of it, you may find yourself at the divine, but you got there honestly. Oh, you, give us an example of that. So so we're, we're, now you're having a, uh, an imaginary conversation um, in North Orange County, which is a hotbed of progressive culture, as you would uh, well know, <laughs> and um, it's it's usurped Grand Rapids. Sorry, um, and, and now we're having. A, I'm a fundy, um, and I'm having a, a conversation with you. That's like, no, 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 no. You don't you don't get to the divine through the human. You start with the you start with the divine, and then you kind of pick up the human along the way. <laughs> So, so, so what's an example? Cause you give so many in the book. What's an example of, of coming at it the way that you're suggesting? Well, what's funny about somebody saying, no, you start with the divine. <laughs> what does that even mean? Right. Like literally you just ask a person a follow up question. What? That's just, <laughs> it's just so fascinating. I love it. I love it. So for well, example, don't you hear this? Don't you hear this? I mean, I, I hear this all the time, What you're, you, oh, wow. if you're, if you're asking questions, you are um, eroding people's trust in the Word of God. Hmm. Um, you know, and 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 and, and so I, I hear that from from church folks. Uh, yeah. that sort of language, that sort of question. And you're saying you actually got to come at it the reverse way. So I'm just trying to yeah. to say, okay, what's a what's a what's an example of that? Right. So, so the tribe right. is a great example. You start with a tribe. I love that. Oh oh oh. Um. Well, what's interesting is you take like uh, let's take the story of Jonah, and Jonah's told to there go to Nineveh, and Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, and Syria were the were the hated neighbor who had antagonized and been ruthlessly violent with the Israelites. So when Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh, that makes perfect sense. Right. Go to your worst enemy. Right. So I would argue. <laughs> go to ISIS. Exactly. So I would argue. That when Jonah goes the other direction, the earlier audience, the earliest audience would have cheered him on. Hmm. Like they, they would have cheered him on. Yes. Now there's a guy who. Who's standing up for what's right. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So the idea that the audience would have frowned on him, it's a very sort of late Protestant idea. Um, And then you have Jonah who, the story is about, can you go to your worst enemy and bless them? Hmm. And he wants nothing to do with this, which is why the story ends with a question. So at the end, he wants to kill himself. 
because of how kind and gracious right. God is to his enemy. Right. And the God voice is like, I can do, I can be kind to whoever I want. Right. Right. This is masterful storytelling. Essentially, this is a communal question the storyteller is asking his or her tribe. But if I'm, but if I'm sitting across from, I don't know, from you in, in Starbucks, I'm, I'm, I want to know, and this is what's so great. What are you smiling at? Because these are great questions. I'm having an interview with you and some conversation with some people I've never met, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Let me say this. Let yes. me say this before you set it up. The people that you've mentioned, the fictional, hypothetical people that yes. you've mentioned. Yes. The idea behind faith is that you grow up. Correct. The idea is that you grow and that you move to later stages of maturity and you're not clinging to first grade assumptions. But Rob, but Rob, <laughs> the point of so, Jonah is that he was miraculously in the belly of a whale. So, so how is that well, not divine? About that story. <laughs> but see, but that's but that's the difference. That's what I'm trying to capture. Is yeah, right. Is is what you do a great job of of saying? Listen, you can focus on that question, and that's the well. It's the word of God, so this happened. Or you can focus on the human element, which is the uh, and and captured in in Jonah's response and through Jonah's response is you know when God calls you to bless your enemy, will you? Um, but but see to me that that distinction is that that's where I'm living. That 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 difference between right. the hey 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 do you take this literally as a litmus test for your view of the Bible versus right. saying no 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 if you come at it from an indifferent different point of right. view you get a different different set of questions and answers and that's why I talk about growing up when it comes to reading the Bible is you have to take it more seriously when the person makes it about whether a man was literally swallowed by a fish I have a higher view of the Bible than that now see oh right good this is. And Go, what's really going, important as the person who says, if he wasn't swallowed by a fish like it says he was swallowed by a fish, then you might as well throw the whole thing out and you're demeaning it. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> to make the story about whether he was literally swallowed by a fish is demeaning the Bible and it is failing to respect the literature that it actually is. So what happens when you make it about whether or not he was literally swallowed by a fish is you now have conveniently sidestepped what the writer is actually getting at, which is your heart, your ethics, your conduct, whether you're willing to walk the path of forgiveness. As long as you stand there saying it happened like it literally says that it happened, you are not asking the penetrating questions of your heart and not allowing spirit to actually transform you. I am not going to end this interview until you say that that last exchange was probably one of the best you've had in recent memory. <laughs> well, I would, I mean, it's like tennis when you're playing against somebody who's great. Oh, oh, I love it. <laughs> so I guess the guy really watching important. the ball go back and forth. Oh, it's so <laughs> good. This so. is really important for your audience and the people that you're talking about is to understand. Yes. The power of this book, the divine inspired nature of this book, is it goes right to your deepest held assumptions about who you are, what you're doing here, what's possible, who your enemy is, transformation, redemption, salvation. <laughs> it doesn't 
let you, and even these ideas, I mean, inerrancy, that word is what? From 1913? Right. I mean, these are even some of these ideas, some of these ideas, um, Kristen, my wife, is motioning to me about the dog. Okay, dog. <laughs> dog, Dog, go. The dog is over here looking at Kristen like, what do you mean? And Kristen's got the leash. You're going to the vet. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I wonder if you could see that. I can, you probably can't see the dog, but the dog just walked into the house. Anyway, um, but this is really, really, really important. The people that you've mentioned, the hypothetical real people that you've mentioned, <laughs> were handed a way of holding the scripture that they were told this is the highest view of the scripture. Correct. Actually is a brand new set of philosophical assumptions that leaked onto the Bible, mainly about epistemology and the way that we know things. Right. Deeply shaped the way they read this book in such a way that it's cut them off from what this book is and how it actually works. And someone someone says, well, you're, you've wandered off, you're not, re no. Like, especially in this new book, I'm showing you how people have read it for thousands and thousands of years. This is not a new idea. I'm helping you reclaim how it's been interacted with for a long, long time. And this brittle, narrow, literalist reading is very, very, very new, and it's lethal, and it Ooh, needs to be called yeah. out. Ooh. So uh, take, for example, one more. Go. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 is a poem... And this poem is a loaded political diatribe against the god of the Babylonians. Because the Babylonian creation myth was called the Enuma Elish. And in the Babylonian creation myth, Marduk, one god, conquers Tiamat, another god. And from her carcass, I believe it's tablet four, you would know. Yep. He, from her carcass. Line seven. Makes, he, from her carcass, he makes the world. So talk to any Babylonian on the street at the time of Babylon, this global military superpower, how did the world come to be? They would tell you the story of Marduk and Tiamat. The engine of the universe is violence and destruction, That's right. which is a wonderful creation story because then it helps you justify your rape and pillage of the world. And humans were slaves to the gods. And humans are slaves to gods. So these Jews are conquered by the Babylonians, hauled away to Babylon, and it's there that they actually edit together the Hebrew Scriptures, what's also called the Old Testament. <laughs> and they begin theirs with their own creation story. Rob, Moses wrote this. <laughs> and he was and there they, on a mountain. <laughs> when they edit together these books, they begin with their own creation story, which is a poem about generative, overflowing joy and creativity. It is good. It is good. And then God said, and it is good. So this poem... This is a dangerous, this is a confrontive, beautiful challenge to the world that it emerged in. To make it a science textbook is to demean the inspired power of how the Bible even begins. If, if there, That was a really long one, but I had to. That was a, no, we, call that, we call that a riff in the, in the business. In the business? Um, so what app do you have on your phone right now that you would be embarrassed for people to find out <laughs> that you have right now? <laughs> Candy Crush? What is it? You went, did, did you just go from? Yep. That's what good interviewers just, do, Rob. 
<laughs> you're not going to listen. You're not going to get this on like the relevant podcast. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to, you're asking me about apps. That's right. Different gear. I'll That's tell you what my daughter, my eight year old daughter. Nope. Just in put Snapchat on my phone so that she and I could talk. Okay. She found an old iPhone that we had laying around and got it to work. <laughs> like she sprinkled fairy dust on it. It's like an <laughs> iPhone three or something. But she wanted to be able to um, Snapchat with me. Okay. So that's what's on my phone. Okay. Well, that's not as good as your other answer, but okay. Um, <laughs> so suppose, suppose you. reflected the quality of the question. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you. So, so let's say um, we're hanging out in Bed Bath and Beyond. And, as one does. <laughs> and and I, I'm, I'm struggling to come to faith in Jesus, but I cannot reconcile the God who dies for his enemies with the Old Testament God who commands their utter slaughter. What, and, and, and we've got, you know, we've got five minutes to have this conversation. What, what, what do you do with those stories? You have chapters on wrath, you have chapters on sin, you have chapters on the violence, but what, what, would, you, what would you do to summarize in the middle of the towel section of Bed, Bath & Beyond how it is that you reconcile the picture of God we get in Jesus with the picture of God we get in some of the Old Testament stories? The Bible reflects evolving human consciousness. People are growing up. And earlier understandings are more primitive and barbaric because the culture was more primitive and barbaric. And so Jesus invites you to evolve, to unfold, to grow up, to expand, to enter into this deep stream of the universe, which continues to move forward into greater unity, complexity, and diversity. And that is the invitation. So earlier bits that feel backward, that feel violent and barbaric, call them what they are. So an example I would say to the person is, right now, if they were to pipe over the speakers of Bed Bath & Beyond, (laughs) you spouting off 15 years ago on sex, politics, religion, relationships, and all of your opinions and views, would you enjoy listening to how you saw the world 15 years ago? All of your, every person would say, oh, that'd be a little bit embarrassing. Right. Exactly. So earlier, it's kind of like in, having Snapchat on your phone, just a little <laughs> bit. Earlier in your history, there are bits and pieces that now you're like, I can't believe I used to think that. Hmm. No one sees the world exactly like they used to. But we don't immediately say, well, then everything you've ever said should be discounted. We understood a person to be a process. Hmm. And you're being taken somewhere, and the Bible at some level reflects the arc of an individual. Ooh, 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 ooh. Uh. Do do more. Do more there. It reflects the arc of an individual. Yeah, so when people say, I just can't believe that people used to think like that. But you say about yourself, I can't believe I used to think about that. So the way that progress works is there are earlier stages and later stages. And in the later stages, you are so grateful that you aren't stuck back there. But Rob, doesn't God tell them? Didn't he tell them to slaughter? Come on. (laughs) It's God's word. <laughs> now you're just punking me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, but, but, it, but in all seriousness, I'm, I, I, I live uh, in, in breathing this wonderful and beautiful intersection of folks that are, that are yeah. in their 50s and 60s who are trying to come out uh, and, yeah. and deconstruct and folks in their 20s who are you know, wide open. Right. And, and these are some of the questions you get. 
Absolutely. You know, another one that's really great, another truth about the Bible that's very important for people to understand is when you ask people just where was the Old Testament put together, mm. it's fascinating to me. It's also, it, it's striking to me how many people who would say, yeah, I grew up with the Bible, I know the Bible, don't know it at all. So just a basic <laughs> yeah. question, like, where was the Hebrew, where was the Hebrew Bible edited together? Right. Well, in Babylon. Okay. So in Babylon, I didn't know the, Moses lived that long. I'm sorry. The, these Jewish people have been dis- crushed and conquered by a global military superpower, which has hauled them many miles away. Right. It is there that they edit together a series of. They were they were crushed by some people who conquered in the name of their gods. They then, in exile, put together a book that has stories of people who conquered in the name of their gods. So uh, is their editing together of those stories approval? Or are they editing together these stories out of great cynicism and skepticism as a warning because they have been on the receiving end of this kind of violence? So it's the Tarantino example you use. (laughs) Well, the Tarantino example, do they think that God is really like that? Or are they telling you these stories to say, Look at what people, look at the dangers of these kinds of ideas. Even the book of Judges, which is ruthlessly violent, yeah. it's a cycle of violence in it. So, so your beloved best buddy from college who would define themselves as a staunch atheist, I think, for myself, see, look at the book of Judges. Wait, 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 wait. I would argue the author of Judges tells you all those violent stories to say, do you realize how futile all this violence is? Hmm. Hmm. That that this is why I keep speaking of growing up when you read the Bible. Right. To just take a passage and to assume the writer is as stupid, primitive, and barbaric as you think that writer is, you may be missing infinite depths of wisdom and satire and critique and confrontation. Um, that story might be there to say to you. Look at how ridiculous violence is. Right. Or mm. imagine that people used to do that in the name of their God. Right. Thank God we're growing out of that. And obviously by the time of Jesus, the end of violence is at the center of everything Jesus is doing. So mm. he doesn't even quote judges, doesn't even refer to it, right. doesn't even acknowledge it. Right. So y- you have to read it as an unfolding story, just like we read all of our stories as unfolding stories. Is this where the sacrificial system comes in, in, in terms of the Absolutely. intersection between the, the growing up, but also the, the recognition of what violence can do? Absolutely. So you have early, early societies. Somebody somewhere must be angry because it hasn't rained and everybody's starving. The crops aren't growing. Or a mm-hmm. flood came through and wiped everything away. Somebody somewhere must be angry. So when we do have a crop we, or we have our animals reproduce well, we should offer them to the gods. Mm-hmm. Some, somewhere needs to be kept happy. So the birth of the sacrificial system, that deep anxiety, this bad thing that happened to me, it must have happened because someone somewhere is angry. I better keep them happy. Something good happens to you. I better thank somebody and let them know I'm grateful for it, all this bounty and blessing. So you can see religion brought with it a deep-seated anxiety somewhere somebody somewhere needs to be kept happy right so actually the jesus story which is which is how people i mean people should be telling the jesus story as a major moment in evolving human consciousness the jesus story is 
we can leave all that thinking behind. Right. This is a major moment in human history. Forget religion or Christianity or whatever. This story is badass because <laughs> it calls into question thousands of years of human behavior. Hmm. It, right. pro- it invites the world to a completely new understanding. You don't have to live like that. Right. That's just, and how this book and these stories came to be seen as regressive and primitive and pulling people backwards when it's one new idea after another. It's a library of progressive books. That's the most shocking thing, and especially the people you're speaking of right. who would claim they have such a high view of the Bible. No, you don't. Otherwise, you would see it as this amazing gift to humanity that it is in helping us go forward. Where does, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I'm channeling, <laughs> you know, names that I will not name. But um, but I, I'm 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 just genuinely curious because uh, I know you've thought through a lot of these things. So where does doctrine, the that great old official, like hey, we were handed this authoritative tradition, sure. where does that sure. fit in the growing up? Well, well, what's interesting about doctrine is all doctrine began with mystical experience. Hmm. Somebody somewhere had an unmediated encounter with the divine. Okay, so Paul would be a great example of Somebody that. Somebody somewhere had an experience. And obviously, when you, when you think about states of consciousness and waking up, and, and, and uh, basically across all human experiences of the infinite of the divine, there's, there's basically about six stages. But, um, and what you see in again and again and again in the Bible is people having Ezekiel. I mean, it goes down the list. Having these experiences, experiences of waking up, of oneness, of calling, of destiny, of mission, of blessing. And generally what happens is a doctrine gets formed out of that. But if you don't have connection with the original experience, then all you have is law but no spirit. Right. Mm-hmm. So so take for existent for uh, for example, oh, here's a great example baptism, what are we dunking people in water for? Right. Because someone said we should. But if you read it, going back to reading the Bible as a human book, read all doctrine as human experience. Why do we have this thing where people get dunked in water and brought back up? Oh, for thousands of years, human beings have had this question, can I begin again? Hmm. Can I have a, a clean slate Will my past always weigh me down, or I, can I have a rebirth? Hmm. And at the same time, human beings have had this profound encounter with water, that water is both cleansing at a material, physical level, but water also has this spiritual metaphor dimension to it, this idea of cleansing and this craving we all have to be cleansed. So you can see why long time ago people began to equate Water has both this literal physical dimension to it, and it also carries with it all of this spiritual depth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because human beings for thousands of years have been asking the question, can I begin again? Right. In North Orange County, where you are, yes. does anybody anywhere know anybody <laughs> who, when they hear the question, can I begin again? Yes, that's my question. Right. 
So you take something like a like baptism, and you go into the heart of the human experience. Now, well, now, now I know why we baptize. Now let's baptize more. Like this is the this is a question. So if you begin with, what question was this answering, or what question was this giving expression to? Now doctrines. Now you're onto something. (laughs) Now they're living, they're breathing, and they're not just somebody going, well, we dunk people in water. We don't know why, but we're supposed to. Right. This is why, this is why every, especially if you're like you're a pastor or a preacher. Yeah. If you can't give your sermon using no Bible verses and no Christian lingo. Yeah. Just tell me why this is true at a human level, using the language that we all use in everyday life. Um, this is an excellent exercise hmm. because if it's just well because we're supposed to, well people will check out at some point. Right. That won't that won't sustain. What's a what's a faith community look like that uh, reads the Bible this way and engages with the text this way as opposed to one that does not? Uh, you you you're asking a whole different set of questions. <laughs> well, so yes, what you'll find is my middle name is non sequitur, my friend. <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean, that community yeah. will simply be playing oh, a different... Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The you so, wasn't so me. Sorry. Would be, so one example would be, oh, this is about setting a table for the whole world. That's what we're doing mm-hmm. here. We got some bread and wine on a table. We're having a meal. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're setting the table for the whole world. So, wait, are they invited? Is it okay that they're here? Right. The standard questions of border patrol, are they in or they're out? Those just aren't the interesting questions. The questions are, yeah, look who's here, right? Yeah, and the and the more difference, and the more unexpected, and the more surprise. Yes, that's the kind of table we're setting. You're just playing a different game. You also then, the gospel is no longer this sort of abstract, ephemeral truth that sort of exists somewhere in people's hearts. It is a good news announcement for education. For healthcare, Come on. it's a good announcement for economics, for politics, and you reclaim the political power of the Bible, and that is political, not partisan. You realize that this yeah. gospel message has edges. It's announcing a new kind of world. So you actually begin to believe that you can make a new kind of world here and now. And that's just a different discussion. Like, who, who's been stepped on? And we need to stand in solidarity with them. Where are, where are those who don't have an advocate? We should stand up and speak for them. That's just a different set of questions. Nice. Um, oh, Andy, did you want to say something? Oh no, I'm like I'm sitting over here literally weeping. You? <laughs> I am. Like I am. Like I just I you know it's it's just one of those things. I mean, we sit down and you know. So we you talk, really we, you really disagree? I can I, I can feel the anger. <laughs> I couldn't. It's it's these tears of. We're anger. gonna write. We're gonna Listen, write a book. Rob, no, no, hold is, on. This is, no, no, no. This is my chance to save Rob. Okay. okay. If, if there's been okay. any, you know, that's that's what I'm going now. I. We're going to write a book called Erasing the Bible. <laughs> Erasing the Bible. Okay. In no, response, it's, it's, it's be really awesome. it's just that you know to hear you say that to hear in what Mike and I have just been working on for the past year. In the simplest way that you said it, I, I just could not agree with you more. And I think well, it's just in these shorthand experiences we've just had with trying to start a church that looks different. I mean, everything you just said has reflected something I've right. seen just happen every single weekend 
with yeah, what we're trying to do. And, and I, I'm just like, it was just that connection point of just like, oh, I, you know, I don't know if the spirit just hit yeah. me hard, but it just... You don't know. You don't know what you've done, my friend. We. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, we spent about three hours in Laguna Beach, which is why I thought I you still lived that. there. And and I asked you a question that, in hindsight, I would have rephrased. But I said, if you were going to start a church again, what would you do, and what would you do differently? And you said you would build it on the Eucharist. And um, and I, that has always stuck with me. And and we launched a podcast after you launched yours uh, to try to reach the the uh, the bald sort of unhip non-surfer types that have moved from the Midwest. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, we, we ended up, we ended up launching a church out of the podcast and, um, and the Eucharist is the center and we practice open communion and, and all of those sorts of things. And so anyway, that's, that's why that answer is particularly, um, mm. uh, touching for us yeah. is it's, is mm. that's, you know, that's, that's something that, that we really took to heart. Um, I've got a couple more hard hitting questions and then, and then we'll let you go. My friend, thank you for your time. I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Um, you've got dogs and birds and it's LA. I mean, who knows what's <laughs> happening up there. And, and, and clearly a lovely skylight that just pours in the, yes. the, the, the beauty. Oh of my goodness. Earth. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, do you believe that it is standard practice in the podcast world? If you get invited on someone's show to invite that person onto yours, <laughs> yes or no, just, just, I, I just, uh, I'm curious. I wasn't sure if, if that was. Do you true believe not. the best kinds of questions are yes, no questions? Oh, or no come on, <laughs> come on! Oh, damn you, Rob! Um, tell us, uh, just just end with this. Uh, you're going on tour. You're going on a. Um, you're going on tour. We have uh, we have folks in the Midwest, but you're doing the Bible Belt tour. Is that I correct? Or did, did you finish that? I just did three weeks of of independent bookstores. And that, I just finished that last week. And nice. then I was thinking, I've always thought it'd be really fun to do Deep South. <laughs> and if I was talking about the Bible, <laughs> how much fun it would be to do a Bible Belt tour. So I'm, so I'm doing uh, a club tour of the Deep South. Is it in called July, Rob Belt? Ending at Grace, ending in Memphis, and oh. taking my daughter to Graceland. Come on, it's gonna be oh, fan- so cool. Yeah, it's gonna be fantastic. And it's you... like Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, um, Knoxville, Tennessee. It's gonna be fantastic. And... Doing this two-hour thing on exile, absence. Uh, yeah, it's just oh, so much fun. So is it? So is it kind of a um, "Gods Aren't Angry" sort of thing, like a, yeah, a two-hour exactly. sustained sort of presentation? Yeah. yeah. Around uh, the book. Or including the book, but bigger. Um, it's almost like it starts at the book and then goes from there. Okay. It's almost like, um, yeah, it's like the book. A lot of the, some of the things that are in the well, I don't even know how to say it. It's expanding on the book. Okay. And then you're still up at the Largo. Do you have a residency up there? Is that is that still true? Yeah, so I do a regular show at Largo. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just right, I, I'm just right here. In the- Hollywood. I'm doing the promo, man. We've got we've got hundreds of listeners who are going to be <laughs> dialing in. Tens of listeners. Yeah, ten dozens. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. Um, my friend, thank you, thank you so very much um, for your time. We appreciate you taking taking the time. And, great. and and just one last you know one last self serving question. You've been interviewed by some of the best interviewers in the world. Um, where would you rate Where would you rate us on uh, a scale of blue to yellow? Like I said before, you're playing a different game. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he's we, good. We are the he's ba- good. We're the base notes of his interviews. He's good. That's what this is. Oh, but, you my know, good. 
But I, I want to. Okay, it's my turn. Is it my turn? Can I say a few things to wrap it up? Yes. Um, I think it's very important for you all. You already know this, but you know the word radical comes from radix, the word Latin word for root. You all, you all didn't wander off into the deep weeds. You headed into the center of the tradition. Hmm. And a number of people, judging by the questions you were asking about the hypothetical real people, <laughs> a number of people were, were not told the truth. They were told, this is the center, and those people are dodgy and questionable, but it's not true. Hmm. Hmm. The work that you are doing and the space that you are creating is the tradition. The hmm. tradition is innovation. How do we set the table at this time in this place? And there's a number of questions that people think are the questions that are brand new things only in the past hundred years that people even made a big deal about. That the power of what you're doing is it's it's the base note. It's grounded. It's you're you're actually being true to the tradition because the tradition is innovation. And I think it's really, really important that you have people telling you that over and over again. Because otherwise this other voice it's the same voice that elected our president. I mean, it is a shrill, fearful yeah. voice that we, we, we need to be kind and open and loving and welcoming. But this, this tradition, it's a big, beautiful, wide, diverse stream, and it should be celebrated. And I, I am cheering you guys on. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, man. Appreciate that very awesome. much. It's really beautiful. Thanks, dude. Yeah. So. And you're a great interviewer. A great interviewer. Best ever. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Nailed it. Nice. Hey, well thank done. you, my friend. Thank you so much. Have much a, love both of you. Yep. Have a great afternoon. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And the lawnmower just fired up at our end. He had birds. <laughs> we have a lawnmower. And a, and a street sweeper. Yeah, not, that's the difference. Not so, at this moment, but So usually. clearly we're good friends because I didn't even know he moved back to L.A., I thought he was still in Laguna Beach. <laughs> so, hello. Um, so anyway. Which meant I would have driven past him to get here. So why he wouldn't just come up to the Brea headquarters in the right. first place. What the heck? What the heck? But so, it doesn't matter. He's in LA. So That's I'm very, like obviously very current. state away based on traffic. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> Poor guy. Why, why you, I mean, he, I'm sure he's got good reasons, but why you would move from Laguna Beach? To West Hollywood? I don't know. Although I will say, in my years, I've been I've been here from Ohio, in uh, for 19 years, and I've never been to Hollywood, not once, <laughs> not one time. And, and you know what? It's I, laughable. I'm sorry. I don't even know what to say. About I, that. I've never been interested. I, I just I feel and you like you call yourself a Christian. Yep, I know. And I guess you're not a missional person. I, evidently not. <laughs> I want to reach suburban people who hide in their garages very simply no um i, I i've never i, I don't even That's know funny don't even know how to get there i mean i've been to staples and i've been downtown i ran the la marathon believe it or not but i've never been to like sunset strip and all that like i feel famous like in california Hollywood stuff. it would be illegal for you to drive your excursion from here to west hollywood well the, the amount of emissions that would take place from there no what there. i want to do so so if you don't know i have a 2000 ford excursion Okay, it has a VCR, a cassette player, and a, a CD player. No, a VCR. It has a VCR, dude. I'm telling you what. See, people don't even barely. I know. I have to have ask one people, in their do house. You, do you even know what a VCR? Let is? alone have one in their car. So, so I want to drive this thing up to Portland, 
and and which you know i have a couple of friends there and it's it's so green and it's so beautiful and and just to see the looks i would get by driving a Ford excursion that gets nine miles to the gallon uh, around the city of Portland, around the green belt, you know, just just with a like big old American flag and vote Trump and just see what happens. Oh, oh no, but but see, but you get some cred the second you open those doors and you see a tape, an analog tape player and VCR. You, know, oh, you, you oh, might you might so, get some you might get some cred there so for that. So the reverse hipster movement, <laughs> yeah. could possibly go my way. Although the first time, so I went I went to see my buddy John Mark Comer. First time I'd ever been to Portland. And this dude, we were at a coffee shop outside, and this dude in a kilt, and I think he had a mesh top, like a black mesh top, and he had a dog chain around his neck. <laughs> and, and, he, and he started telling us about his poetry, and I'm like, this, this is this awesome. Is it. These this are my people. It. These are my people. So anyway, I don't know how we got off on that. There but, we are. But okay. So there's our interview. Thought it was absolutely fascinating. Andy did tear up. That was legit, like tearing up. I, I've not seen that since. He didn't even do that when his son was born. So that's a huge deal. <laughs> the only other time I did it was at home editing your podcast without me. Uh, yes. That was, that was the moment yes, where I was, was just so, like, so... the utter beauty of your yes. you know, isolation. It, the word is soliloquy. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, uh, would love to know what you think. Yeah. Um, would love to know what you think about this. Now, um, uh, I don't know when we'll release this, but uh, we've another guest we're going to have on is, uh, is Greg Boyd who is, he's just written, oh my goodness, this magnum opus uh, called The Crucifixion of the Warrior God about how do you reconcile the, the pictures of God in the Old Testament with uh, the picture of God we get in Jesus. And his answer is radically different than Rob's answer. And so this is going to be wow. a heady, heady, heady interview. Uh, he's in uh, Minnesota. Uh, and, um, so, so that's from when we're recording Rob, it's a, a week later, but I don't know when we'll release it. Um, and then we've got a, a, another guy, um, named Tim Mackey, who's up in Portland, who is a, is an old Testament scholar. So we're, we're kind of excited to have these guys on talking a little bit about the Bible and, uh, the, the old Testament pictures of God and how do we reconcile them? And anyway, so fascinating stuff here in the Vox podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, if you want uh, to to dig more in handy, how do you? What are all the ways you do that? Yeah, voxpodcast.com is the website. Okay, I have actually added the topics section now, so you can go there and see. Uh, Every, so by by group by topics. Yeah, I started to group together some of the big conversations we've had, like everything relating to LGBTQ, politics. women in leadership, Jesus and politics. Those yep. are all sections. So there's playlists where the best interviews ever. Yeah, all the episodes are collected based on that kind of topic. So oh, there's, there's cool. like six topics right now. I'm, I've got to uh, put together hell. That's gonna. I know we got like three episodes on hell, but nice. Um, and nice. embarrassed by the Bible. So this That'll this episode one. would be part of also the topic section so that's that's big um also on twitter the vox podcast facebook yep. facebook.com the vox podcast <laughs> and uh yeah of and course then, and you can email us at hello at voxpodcast.com yep and there's a church buried in the podcast yeah um voxoc.com yep if you're interested in supporting us um uh, you can go to Patreon. Spell that, Andy. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Or just go to our website where it will see a big red button in the middle of the homepage. It says supporters on Patreon. We have, yeah, we have ridic ridiculously the greatest group of Patreon supporters in the history of the world. Oh, so yeah. it allows us to do all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And we're so grateful for that and, and for your support. Um, and then lastly, um, if... Uh, <laughs> 
I thought I thought I had a couple of great jokes that that got nowhere uh, with Mr. <laughs> Bell. So so just in honor of uh, the great jokes, like I thought the erasing the Bible joke was was, was funny, but somewhere. he got he, I got nothing. So this wow. is this is what we got during some of the jokes. And um, that's 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 the great that's that's your greatest fear as a speaker is this: you say something incredibly profound or funny, and you just get this. That's my life. That's the story of my professional life, right there. See, the note you should take from Rob is show up somewhere, have doves released, birds chirping in the background, yes. and just the the utter ab- ambience of L.A. Yeah, I like the ambience <laughs> and that, of Brea. And that might that better. might. You know, you would stand in um, a posture to completely ruin any joke coming your way. I don't even know what you're saying right now. <laughs> I, 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 my, my brain jokes. literally stopped in that moment. I was like, "What? Am I talking? We need to turn this podcast off." Okay, I think, I think we're done. <laughs> All right. All right. So, um, so, ladies and gentlemen, we bless you. We're grateful for you. May God bless you. Uh, may you live long and prosper. May the force be with you. And so on and so on and so on. Till next time, brothers and sisters. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Vox Podcast. Learn more about us at voxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Vox Podcast. And now support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash voxpodcast.